Okay. Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We are going to move on to the next section that basically covers verses 16 through 18. And uh, we're going to be talking about love. Hallelujah. Everybody loves that, don't they? (laughs) Okay. This is the area that really challenges most of us believers. Okay. Um, I'm going to begin in verse 16. Now, the Apostle John has been talking about that dual abiding, us abiding in God, God abiding in us. And he's going to take it one step further now. And uh, we'll look at those other two things in a minute. But I want to read in verse 16 to begin with where he says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So notice again that dual abiding there. That, that again, he who abides in love abides in God. Interesting the way he put that. Okay, you need to abide in love in order to abide in God, and also that God abides in us. Now, from an overall perspective, I, Howard Marshall, explains that John means that the true Christian lives in the sphere of love, both as the object of God's love, that is the love that God has for us, and as a channel of that love of his or her brothers and sisters. Meaning that as we abide or live in love, we will automatically become a channel of God's love to all those people around us. Amen? To live in love means that you're constantly uh, in that love, not only experiencing it, but also giving it out. Are you all with me? Amen? We talked about this before, that if we, if we do live a life in love, then what we'll find often is that that love will flow out of us. Because it's flowing in, it, it should come to a place where we, it overflows back out. If we're having trouble loving people, it's because it's, there's not an overflow there. I'll put my hand up. <laughs> okay? Some days the tank is empty. <laughs> okay? And it, it's very difficult. And family, you know, we just need to be really careful what gets in the way of that. What gets in the way of us loving people? Because the one thing that the enemy does is he tries to get in the way of our blessing. Now, the, the thing that we need to understand is the Apostle John is bringing something incredible out here when he says that, when he says, first of all, that God is love. And I want to look at something else first, but I'll just make mention of this. And he says, he who abides in love abides in God. He who abides in love abides in God. Whenever we, we step out of love, can I just say this? We're stepping out of God. Are you getting this? Do you understand why he was so powerful? Do you understand why they couldn't kill him? Because he abided in love. And in doing so, he abided in God. <laughs> you know, when you live in that place, it's very hard for, for the devil to get at you. Amen. I just, I want you to, this is a revelation, okay? So it's okay if you don't quite get this. This needs to be a revelation. Anyway, and we're going to see a, a little bit about that as well. Also notice how the Apostle John begins this verse by saying that, and we have known and believed the love God has for us. Now, there are several things of importance here that we need to look at. Firstly, with regard to the connection between knowing and believing, there's something very interesting here. Um, In his commentary, Simon J. Kistemacher writes, by experience, he, that is the Apostle John, says, we have come to know the love of God, and we have put our trust in it. So he says, listen, I have experienced this. You know, I just think we really don't understand how much God loved them through Jesus. They had the Lord around them all the time. I think he was, Jesus was constantly doing things that just shocked them. 
You know, the way he would encourage children to come to him, the way he wouldn't be like the other ministries saying, you know, get these things away from me. I'm, I'm doing my ministry right now. I don't want all these distractions. He would just say, let them come. What is wrong with you? <laughs> okay? He just had a love that just went beyond their understanding. And, you know, when he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he was letting them know, this is how the Father is. I know you've seen him as this tyrant that comes down and you do anything wrong and he beats you with a stick. Because the Old Testament seems to, seems to kind of paint that picture, but it's not true. <laughs> okay? That's why Jesus said, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have, to, I have come to give you life, life more abundantly. And can I say that, that that proceeds from love? Because he loved us so much, God so loved us that he gave. And that the way he, he you know, uh, blesses us, all of that comes from love. Also, we'll see that in a moment. Okay? All right. I'm jumping ahead because <laughs> I know what's in my notes. All right. So the two verbs, know and believe, go together. Writes A.E. Brooke, the growth of knowledge and the growth of faith act and react on each other. I really love that. The growth of knowledge, the more you grow in knowledge, the more you grow in faith. <laughs> Romans 10:17 tells us so then faith comes by hearing. What happens when you hear? You gain knowledge. Amen? So you can't have faith if you don't have knowledge. Are, are you beginning to see this? So do you understand why the Apostle John says, we know and believe? We know. See, first thing he needed to know. He didn't need to just think about it. He needed to know. And you need to know. In order to have faith, you need to know. If you're not sure, if you're kind of going, hmm, maybe, that's not faith. That's mental assent. That's not going to move a mountain, family. You need to know. Amen? So you need to know in order to have faith. Once you know, and you know those are synonymous terms really. Once you know, that is an indication that you have faith. Because you know, you know, the old preachers just go, I know that I know that I know that I know. <laughs> okay? That was their way of saying they got faith. They don't have hope, they have faith. They know that's going to happen. It's like the same way you know you throw a ball up, it will come down. I don't care how much you want to explain it away. It will come down. You better not be standing under it. You know, if it's an iron ball or, you know, cannonball or a bowling ball. Or, okay? It will hurt you. It will come down. In this, and we know that, don't we? So we see examples of this, both in the Old Testament and New. First in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10. It says that you, Israel, talking about Israel, okay, are my witnesses declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, in order, and this is where I want to stop, that you may know and believe me. Notice, you may know, this is Isaiah 43.10, that you may know and believe. Do you see the combination there again? Know and believe. Amen? Uh, next, I want to take you to the New Testament. John chapter 10, the words of Jesus, verses 37 and 38. Jesus says, if I do not do the works of my Father, this is really interesting, okay? He says, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. Now watch, verse 38. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, listen, that you may know and believe. He says, I'm giving you some, I'm giving you some knowledge. I'm giving you something to base your faith on. If you don't believe me, at least believe in what I'm doing. Do you see this? Do you see this person that's blind that can see? 
Do you see this demon-possessed person, you know, uh, 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 no longer demon-possessed? Do you see this woman who had an issue of blood, no longer have an issue of blood? Do you see Lazarus raised from the dead? <laughs> okay? Are you all with me? He says, I'm giving you some knowledge so you can base your faith on something other than, you know, you just kind of taking somebody's word for it. I think it's really interesting, you know, the Samaritans, we looked at that in John chapter, where, before, I think, uh, when, you know, when, when, the, uh, when Jesus went to talk to the woman of Samaria, remember that, at the well? Okay, the woman at the well. And so remember that the first thing that the people of the city come and say is, we, we believe because you told us, the woman had told them of Jesus. I'm trying to keep it all straight now. Okay, and then later on you'll find that, he's, that they say, we now believe because of his word. We now believe him. It's interesting. And notice again that they had some knowledge to start their faith, and their faith rests on what they heard from him. And, you know, they had knowledge to base their faith on. And they said, that, I love what they say, I have to sort of share that with you. They said, we now know that he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Anyway, that, was, that faith was based on knowledge. Amen? Why, why am I bringing this out? Because I want you to understand that our understanding of God's love depends on our faith, depends on our knowledge. It's a journey. We need to get knowledge, we need to build faith, then we'll walk in love. If we don't do those first two things, then we're forced into love and we won't love the way we should. Because there's no faith behind it. Amen? Okay. That's what Jesus meant when he said again, uh, and you shall know the truth. You shall what? Know the truth. Because when you know, then you have faith. And what does that faith do? And the truth that you know that develops faith. I'm adding all this, okay? This is John 8.32. Again, he says, and the truth that you know, that you develop faith in, will set you free. Isn't that true? Isn't it the word that you exercise by faith, that's the word that works for you? Amen? Amen. It's not just knowing the word. A lot of people know the word. A lot of people don't have faith in the word. Is that, knowledge? Is that news? No. <laughs> okay? Is that news to you? All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, returning to uh, 1 John 4.16. So do you all understand the, the connection there now? I, wanna, I just really want to bring that out. I want to pull this verse apart and bring it out to you bit by bit so that you get this. Because a lot of times we speed read this and we miss something. If you miss the first part, you won't get the second part. You all know that, right? <laughs> okay? All right. So <laughs> let's go to the next part here. Uh, returning to... First John chapter 4 and verse 16, he says, And we have known and believed, so this is what he now knows and believes, that uh, the love that God has for us. So this, the, the love that God has for us is not a question in the Apostle John's mind. He has no question about the love that God has for him. Do you see again why it was impossible to kill him? Because he would have said, No, God loves me too much for you to kill me. So throw me in oil. I don't care what you do. He won't let you kill me. I wonder if Daniel had the same faith. You know, when, when they tricked the king into, you know, putting that decree and then, you know, to throw Daniel in the lion's den. Because the king actually liked Daniel, by the way, if you all didn't know. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, they throw him in there. He wasn't sweating. There were lions in there. They closed the door. I don't think Daniel had a problem. I think Daniel, I honestly with all my heart believe that Daniel knew the love that God had for him. 
that Daniel thought, you're not going to kill me. No, no, I don't care what they do. However many lions there are, however hungry they are, it don't matter to me. You know, people talk about faith, but sometimes I think they miss where that faith comes from. Daniel's faith came from the fact that God loved him. And he loved God. He did everything right before God, and this is not happening. But if he didn't exercise faith, I think he would have been eaten and the lions would be picking their teeth the next morning. <laughs> you know? And when the king said, Daniel, are you still alive? There would be no reply. Just the lion going, yeah, it was tasty. <laughs> okay? Listen, man. You know, this is, this is a problem that a lot of Christians have. You know, they say, how come God allowed this to happen to that person? You know, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is that family, we have to exercise faith. There is a, a, a part that we need to play. That's why it talked in Mark chapter 16 about God working with us. We work together. That's why it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Not those that really, really like God. And God really, really, really likes them. <laughs> okay? And then they'll have signs because God really likes them. That's why Hebrews says without faith it is impossible to please God. Are you all with me? We really need to get a hold of this because if we don't get a hold of this, then we're not going to progress in this and we're going to be asking dumb questions. And God's going to be saying, how many times do I have to tell you? How many times do I have to tell you? No. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I'm here for. All right. To, to remind you once again all those things that you thought you knew. All right. Okay. So in his commentary, Thomas F. Johnson explains the love that uh, God has for us by saying, Love from other sources may prove undependable. I really like this. Even brothers and sisters from one's own community can turn in hatred and rejection. But God's love is not turned on and off. Present one day, gone the next. Because God is love. Are you getting this? Amen. Love is God's essential nature. All that God does towards us all the time arises out of God's love for us. Oh, I really like that. Everything that God does towards us all comes from His love. So when you look at things in that way, you begin to understand that if things are going wrong, it's not coming from God. Listen to me. If things are going wrong, it's not coming from God. It's coming from somewhere else, so please don't blame Him. He is the answer. While you blame him, you won't go to him for the answer. Are you all with me? You'll be too busy blaming him. That you'll be blaming the solution for something that something else did. Amen. I think that's the reason why Jesus made it so clear when he said the thief does come. You know, you can't stop him. He will come. He will steal. He will kill. He will destroy. That I like Jesus, he turned around and said, uh, that's not where the, the sentence ends. <laughs> okay? He turned around and said, but I, but I. He says, but, there's a but in this. You need to get the but. He says, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly, your life to the full. In other words, if anything is stolen from you, if anything is killed, anything is destroyed, there is life that can come and fix that. Some way, somehow, if you let it. Amen? Okay. Back to this. In fact, the Apostle Paul was so convinced of this, I'm talking about the love, that he brings it out in this way in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Really love this. 
He says, and I really, you know, we've seen this in a different light. You know, we talk about being more than conquerors. Can I tell you what all that's based on? Love. Not on faith, but on love. And from which faith comes from, from which our unconquerable, okay, attitude should come. And see, this is the thing. If you don't base it on love, then you know what happens? You wonder if you, you have enough faith to overcome this thing. But if you understand, like the Apostle John did, that God will not let them kill me, that's where the faith starts, and then that way you become unconquerable, because you go, you know what? Go ahead, do your worst. You know, people are usually doing this instead. Why do people fail? Because they, instead of saying, do your worst, God will look after me, they go, oh God, you better look after me, they're doing their worst. Oh, see the difference? You get it? Okay. <laughs> okay. And, you know, if you're doubting God, well, forget about it, dude. You know, like I said, better get your will in order because you're going home. Okay. And God will tell you that wasn't me. I was there to help. And instead of, you know, instead of going, God, I believe. You're standing there going, oh, God, I don't know what to believe. Okay, so let's read. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. He says, watch how he starts. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? We could preach on every one of these, by the way. Okay, these are massive things. Or famine or nakedness. Okay, not enough to wear. God wear. Okay, or whatever. Or peril or sword. Verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, this is what people think. This is how they think. Watch. And he says, yet. He says, regardless of what they say, here's the truth. Yet in, verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Watch now, he didn't stop there. We like to stop there. We're more than conquerors. Woohoo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We died. <laughs> okay? What happened to the conqueror? I don't know. He died there. Okay? Watch this. Watch. It didn't finish. It says, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you see that? He said, Listen, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The reason that we are more than conquerors is because he loves us. Because we know that he won't let anything happen to us as long as we believe in that. Do you get this now? I really need you to catch this. Let's keep going. I haven't finished yet. Verse 38. He says, For I'm persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. I mean, it doesn't matter what. He says, Nor height, or depth, nor any other created thing shall be able, watch this, to separate us. From the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of this is because of Jesus. But can you see what he said? Nothing can separate us. None of these things. Now let me just clarify this. He says none of these things can separate us. The only thing that can separate you from God is you. When you don't believe. When you go, oh God, why? You know, don't do that. You know, even if you have a question, just shut up. The devil doesn't know you're not believing until you say it out of your mouth. <laughs> okay? So I've said so many times to people, just don't say anything. Have you been guilty of saying things? Yes! What did you do? I tore myself off. Like, what is wrong with you? Now he knows! <laughs> okay? Now you have two problems. 
Your question and him, okay? Before it was just your question. Nobody needed to know, but no, no, you had to go. You know, how many times have we just, we just had, there's so much pressure to say something. Is it only me or do you guys get that too? I mean, you know, when so, you, you know, you just, something is so impossible that even though you are taking steps that God asks you to take to move towards an impossible solution, in the middle, you just have to say to somebody, this is just impossible, you know. And then still, <laughs> you know, can I deliver some of you? Okay, can I help you? Can I help you? All right. Listen, just because your brain is questioning something, just because your brain doubts, doesn't mean that your heart doubts. I really love what Jesus said about the mountains. Mark eleven twenty three. As long as you don't doubt in your heart. He said, if you believe, shall not doubt in your heart. He didn't talk about your head. I'm setting you free. So even if your head says something, and you know, it comes out of your mouth, and you check your heart, because your heart might still be believing. How can that happen? I don't know, it does. <laughs> okay? This has happened to me over and over again. I have learned to separate my head from my heart, by the way. By the way, okay? I know the difference now. I know if my head is doubting something and my heart is still believing, I just tell my head to shut up. Even though I may say something out of my head, I just go, you know what? I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And I'm not saying that just for words' sake. It's because my heart is still believing. And I need to let my heart know that we shut that thing down. Okay? Keep believing because it will come to pass. Let's keep going, shall we? And I don't know how many times that has happened to me and I've received the miracle in spite of my mouth. So did I set you free? Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm talking about here. You know you believe it needs to be in your heart. Amen? If you believe in your heart, then let it happen. Just let it keep going. I don't care how much you doubt in your head. Let your heart work. It will bring it to pass. The mountain will move. All right. So I've said here, you know, so again he says, no height, no depth. I'm back in Romans 8 39 just to finish off. He says again, no height, no depth, no any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. The love of God that allows us to be more than conquerors. Amen? And we need to see this. I really need you to make this connection, family, before we move on. So this is, what the, this is the kind of love that God has for us. So continue on. Should I continue on? Ooh. <laughs> Let's introduce this. Yeah. <laughs> verse 16 this, there's a lot in this verse okay have you noticed all right <laughs> okay the next part of verse 16 says god is love now we've looked at this already in uh, verse 8 so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this but he says here god is love and he who abides in love abides in god and god in him in his commentary simon j kistemacher explains that god whose essence is love approaches his people in love let me stop there. I really want you to absorb this. God whose essence is love. So if you go to God with any other attitude than love, you're going to have a problem. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, all right. So you need to go to God lovingly. You need to say, okay, God. And, and you know, can I say, also say be honest? I talked to you about the Psalms. You know how they're so honest? They whinge, they whine, they carry on, and at the end, God comes through. <laughs> okay? And I love that about the psalm. There's some beautiful psalms that, that really lift you up and speak of, of just amazing things. But dear God, there are some of them I honestly, with all my heart, believe they shouldn't be in the Bible until I realized what they were there for. They were there to let us know it's okay to complain. 
but only to God. Somebody say amen. You want to complain, go complain to him. Finish your complaining, come out of there. <laughs> it's the cone of silence. The devil can't hear anything that goes on in there, okay? He goes, what is he complaining about? God won't let me in. Yeah, that's why we're complaining to him. Not to everybody outside so that you can hear. Amen. I just I always believe that all these angels get around and say, no admittance. Back, back, further, further. <laughs> Amen. He makes sure that whatever complaints you have with God remains with God. When you come out, you should come out in faith. Because when you finish your whining, when you finish all of that stuff, the next thing that's left is God says, are you done? And you should say, yep, got nothing left. I'm done. Tank's empty. And he goes, okay, now let me talk to you. And he will, because you emptied your tank, he will fill it up with faith. Oh, family, when you come out of there, he'll be like, where is the devil at? And where are the little demons that followed him? I want to go cut a few heads off today. It will be your attitude more than conquerors. Amen? Amen. So anyway, God, whose essence is love, let me reread this, approaches his people in love. John reveals that anyone who lives in this divine love lives in God and God lives in him. That's a big thing. If you live in this divine love, then you live, you are literally living in God. I really need you to get this because so much of the time we're looking for something miraculous, something supernatural, something out of the ordinary. And we don't realize that the way to approach a God who is love is through love. And that love, remember, that, see, this is the reason why the Apostle John says that as you abide in love, you abide in God and God abides in you. Now, can I do a mathematical equation here? <laughs> okay, Because some days I think mathematically because it's easy to see. Can I say God in you? And can I then put God and put underneath it little equal sign, Equal is love. Okay? Because he's just told us that God is love. And then he said that God is in you. So can I say love is in you? The divine love that God has actually lives in you because God is in you. So you have the love that is required to approach a God of love with love because it's God meaning God. Y'all get that? You missed it. Somebody missed it. Okay. <laughs> because God lives in you. When you go to see God, you are taking God who lives in you with you to see Him. So love meets love. You've got everything it takes to walk in that kind of love into His presence. Because you're literally taking Him in with you to see Him. That weird, isn't it? <laughs> okay? But I need you to see this because this is what this is talking about. That we should never ever be in a place where we are saying, God, have I got what it takes to come into your presence? Yes, you have him in you. You can come into his presence. Because the presence in you will meet the presence on the outside. That's why you can go back in Old Testament times and touch the Ark of the Covenant because the presence in you will just meet the presence that's there. As opposed to the presence in there touched a human being that had no presence of God in him and he died. Which is very sad, we know. Okay, all right. So, okay. <laughs> I might have to leave it here, but let me finish this quote. John reveals once again that anyone who lives in this divine love lives in God and God in him. This brief passage 
is what this scholar named C.H. Dodd calls the high water mark of the thought of this epistle. This is one of those high points. Amen? This is one of those things that you get this and all the rest of it will start to make sense. Are you all with me? Amen? It is one of those key thoughts and things that need to be key in your life. Hallelujah. That'll do for today. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.